0: here we go and okay. we're back happy july everybody ah oh, June flew by coming at you on the 5th of july right now hottest day of the summer did you uh do you have all your fingers and should... appendages from uh, fireworks yeah I did. <laughs> yeah I, did you know i set some off no i didn't oh, okay you just look like the type of guy that would some Jeremy called it some contraband. <laughs> <laughs> it was bottle rockets, but like his kids had never seen them, my kids had never really seen them.
1: He like opened up the trunk and looked both ways, but like, Joey, check it out. <laughs> yeah, it was fun though. Little bottle rockets. Well, before we get arrested, this is Boys Lunch, right? Two Catholic teachers talking about stuff. I'm Paul, this is Joey. Uh, you can always contact us at boys lunch one at gmail.com or follow us on boys lunch podcast on instagram it is good to be back we've done much better this summer than we've ever done before as far as getting podcasts out so we're going to record another two tonight i believe so this it's is funny
0: tonight. is that we're, we're meeting less <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. just be a little more productive with our meetings yeah it's good uh it's, it's good to be here we're going to kind of recap some things that maybe happened a few weeks ago because we have not recorded in probably what four yeah, weeks they don't know weeks? that yeah it's probably been I think right before we had left we talked that we were about to take some trips so uh we i think we've been kind of busy the past few weeks just having some good family time Mm -hmm. uh and just vacation time i think just taking in the time to be be away from work and yeah taking advantage to reset readjust yeah what the summer
1: offers yeah so we uh we went up to wisconsin spent a week up there uh, about seven and a half eight hours north of here um yeah just had an absolute blast we were on we only had one Day of rain, and we still got out on the boat or the pontoon that day, too. So, a lot of great fishing, Zale and Sienna, um, catching some perch and some bluegill, really? the occasional bass. Uh, I got a chance to fly fish for the first time. It is as hard as it looks, but when you occasionally fly fishing, yeah, so like I'm not going to go into the details of it, but like you know, it's all just kind of like you're trying to like tying this cast so that it like floats out All there about it's the motion like, yeah, it's beautiful and there's like art to it and probably like one out of this is where six you're standing cast. in the water you can we did this off of a boat but Ooh. yeah we didn't have like the overalls and whatever the gear but, um but yeah also caught some uh some northern pike and, so you uh, caught some, some serious walleye stuff. and some yeah large and small mouth now eggs. what do you guys do with
0: it um Peter is listening by the way <laughs>
1: yeah we did save some we saved some perch that's good eats and you then, saved it as in like you'd let it go no, you saved it to kept, eat. Sorry, yes. Uh <laughs> we kept. We did release a lot of fish, but um there was someone on the resort that we saved yeah, it. sorry, saved it for ourselves. <laughs> but there, we kept uh a good amount of perch and then some um some northern. They're actually good eats, northern pike. And yeah, it was just a great time. The girls also met some cousins that they hadn't seen in a couple of years, and there's a playground oh, cool. on the Uh, resort and it's like if they weren't fishing they were playing with their cousins that they absolutely loved and it was just like a great time mary and i got out on the town in birchwood wisconsin hey hey nice um so yep just go into what you would imagine a small town wisconsin bar would be like Um, one of them is called mary's blue blue gill bar and grill Wow. And uh, Mary wanted a t-shirt. So the nice lady that may have had too many to drink invited That's her behind the bar to yes. come take a look at the.
0: Yes. <laughs> stuff. That's awesome. So
1: it was great. Um, we had a great time. With Did you leave family. them
0: a review at least on Google? <sighs> you know what? I have not. You should. But they're pretty highly rated. I like, yeah, I didn't grow up experiencing dive bars, but I think in South Dakota a couple of times, we went to just some like, like this would be funny to go here. Like when we were in Atchison. I just want to go like shoot pool here and see what it's like. It is. Uh, we went to another one that we had gone to
1: a few years ago, bear tracks. And we walk in and we're like, oh my gosh, it looks brand new. Like, yeah. All of them burned down. <laughs> that explains it. It sounds like a good vacation though. Oh yeah. Relaxing. Girls did great in the car. And yeah, just,
0: I mean the true joy was just seeing how much fun the girls had. I mean, they were
1: exhausted. At the
0: yeah. End of the day. It's uh they're su- at such a good age where mm-hmm. just being outside and, playing on a playground and being with like other people, right. It's like a lot of fun to them. And it's it also like, and it wears them out more being outside. Yeah. And we were able to like trust that they are,
1: you know, you're occasionally checking in to make sure they're still at the playground, but you could yeah. just go and tell them like, Hey, go play, have fun with your cousins. Nice. And then, you know, we're playing board games or hanging out in the cabin. So that's it's a big nice. boy moment right there.
0: What do you feel moment. like a big dad? I'm like, <laughs> I'm big <sorry>. dad yeah <laughs> uh i just checked the gmail because you mentioned it mm-hmm. uh kevin cook sent us an email on june 2nd okay <laughs> so this is this llama face emperor's new group movie reference shout out to paul rayburn who earned a clean sheet playing goalkeeper in last night's soccer match so from a month ago shout out to paul for your clean sheet oh thank you thank you thank you
1: um we got another game tomorrow night looking forward to getting back out there with him. good old kevin it's a good group of guys that we're playing with so we're having a lot of fun
0: yeah, it's a long one. I'm not going to, uh, read that. Okay. Um, hey, stick
1: around for part two where we may or may not address the long email. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, okay. So oh. look
0: on this guy's face. Yeah. We'll sure. It's from Kevin. So it's, oh, like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Wisconsin was fun. Yeah. Yeah. We went to Indianapolis around that same time. Two day trip. <laughs> uh, it's fun. We've been, um, trying to be creative this summer and coming up with little staycation types of things and uh, the boys just had a blast i think i mentioned on the podcast we were planning on doing like just things that they like to do. Like we found a really cool park, probably the coolest park I've ever been to. So yeah, the German club that uh, I used to play for up in Peoria.
1: Uh, they had a big kind of a father's day event where their, their teams played each other. They have two teams nice. uh, in the league and um, they had a kind of a cook, cookout potluck type thing. And oh, so nice. and they have a playground there and the girls love playing on that. So yeah, it's a great time.
0: That's cool. How about you? How was your pause? The day itself was a little challenging. <laughs> My three year old, he just like, Damien, like every few days, just has like a, uh, I'm not going to, everything's going to be a big deal. Yeah. And I'm going to like fight to be the boss today. And the, the, like the day of, we just had one of those, which is kind of unfortunate, but. the yeah, Friday before we went out to I'm Distill. I'm the dad today. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty much, <laughs> that's what it felt like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we went to Distill. They had like their lawnmower days that oh. weekend. So they had the lawnmower ale. Then they had John Deere tractors. Out there. and day. Yeah. And a live band. So we brought the boys out and. I think you guys have done that before. we never taken the kids out to go like listen to the band. Yeah, I don't know if we had been there on the day, but there had been- But you guys have done like- You've out gone out there. Yeah, we've gone out there. We the love that little so, bit earlier, yeah. um, That was really fun. The boys had a good time. Uh, so that was like a- That was my father's. The, the day itself, I am going to try to forget, but <laughs> <laughs> that, that moment was good. good. Just like old times. It's to be back in the back. Just get back on the back. Let's see. Anything else to talk about? Let's dive right in. Okay, people saddle up. I thought about this topic because we've been traveling and I don't know. I think just something that's interesting, something I heard a little bit about on a podcast and something I thought would be, um, I don't know, good to talk about. So I kind of want to just talk about, and it's, it's going to sound weird when I say just Catholic architecture, but I just want to talk about what a space can do to a person and the importance of, um, good architecture and good space. And and just good places, whether it's a church, a home, a school, whatever, like, uh, because we're physical beings, the things that we see around us uh, do affect us in a positive or negative way in our experience of something. And I think just being on some of these trips and seeing things, it it made me think of stuff. But I think, have you ever been into like architecture, studied it, looked into it? Myself? No, but my dad is.
1: Oh, really? My dad used to, um, uh, he's going to. Oh, he should have got him Forgive me. (laughs) He used to do drafting for, um, nice architecture, and then he did um, did fire alarm systems and installations and stuff. So he he's yeah he's, he's a big guy.
0: And when we go up Chicago, we did like the river cruise, oh and, yeah. like the architecture tour with him, and yeah. I feel like it's something that the average person doesn't like um, appreciate you know? appreciate or like recognize. Like they, I think they they feel something from it, but they're not necessarily like explicitly looking at it and thinking about it. Yeah. Right? Like ar- architecture, if you're like studying it, it is that marriage of the form and the function, mm-hmm. the way it looks and, 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 works, but also like the, yeah, the function the, the practicality
1: of it. Yeah. I remember him taking, or my parents taking us to a Frank Lloyd Wright house. Yeah. And being like, that's my grandma. Like, why is this guy so famous? But then like, you go to it and you're like, oh, this is really cool. Now I'm like, I would love to have a house that have that yeah. mid-century modern. And that's actually really like in now. Right.
0: Yeah. But sorry, that's besides what No, that's fine. But it's, it's the ability to create an experience through a space and you're outside on a busy street and there's cars honking, especially something like a church and, and you walk in and it's like the world changes around you. Right. Yeah. Have you ever had an experience like that? Oh, for sure. Uh, I mean, um, even just like St. Louis or yeah, like just, you, you mean you walk in and it just like, yeah, everything around you is just crazy outside and just the, the ability of a space to completely change the dimension almost that you're in as you mm-hmm. walk into it. Um, and I think we most experience this in a church, but even like, there's secular buildings that can kind of take your breath away or just like change your mood as you go into it mm-hmm. um, with the way that it looks, the aesthetic of it, the materials of it, uh, really? the space around us affects us.
1: Or even a home, right? I yes. think of like yes. after long travels, like there's, you know, maybe nothing spectacular about one's home except mm-hmm. the, the, the reality that it's yours is a space that you've created or made your own.
0: Yeah. Yes. Would you agree that like the architecture reflects kind of the culture and the philosophy they have in mind, what they care about? Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, because you can you can look at a building
1: or you can look at, um, yeah, a building or a place or even a, an outdoor space, and you can kind of give or take give some years on where you think it may have been constructed, but also
0: like what were the priorities at that time? The philosophical framework, yeah, the priorities, yeah. what people cared about, uh, what they were looking for. Yeah. And like we live in a world where it's now it's about like building, we can build things very big, but we don't necessarily build things beautiful anymore. Mm-hmm. Where I think maybe we're coming back to that, but I think it, it it was definitely just like let's practically build the most efficient thing for the most like for the least amount of money, right? For the most profit, exactly. And now that we have this technology, let's build things as big as we can. Mm-hmm. Where you maybe you lose that ornate right. style. Like I think of the old State Farm building downtown. Oh yeah. And how like even the outside of it, everything is ornate within it, and they, mm-hmm. that was a a product of the time period. They cared about that kind of stuff or in Chicago, the yeah. architecture that was made during that time and why that tour is so cool along the river is mm-hmm. because they cared about every little form and function of those buildings.
1: Where now you might look at an old building like that and see columns or, um, or different sort of, um, maybe woodworking things that were done. That's like, that's just a waste of space. That's
0: an unused space. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, you, you well, that's what it's coming. It's coming back. You watch HGTV. People love these like little craftsmen's that they find and they yeah. try to uh, fix up again that's mm-hmm. that's the charm of um, founders grove is like the the beauty and the care that they took into every little niche it wasn't just these cookie cutter buildings yeah. it, like you said this home had a a feeling to it and had it had life to it and movement um but it, it's crazy that in a world right now with these huge skyscrapers like a beautiful church can still take your breath away mm-hmm. a medieval church a gothic church like it, it's crazy we have all this technology and things like that but But the church, if we look at that, and I I want to just focus on church architecture and the church building itself. The church used to be the pinnacle of architecture for a town. Mm -hmm. If you look in medieval Europe, even in like colonial, like if more like Mexico, you look at some of maybe stuff that was brought over there, um, those small towns, everything was kind of built around that. You had your town square and the church was a beautiful building within that town square. It was the pinnacle of all architecture. Mm -hmm. You didn't need an opera. You didn't need a museum. You didn't need a gathering hall because that was your church. Right? Because the best singers and the, the the greatest musicians performed in that church, the greatest artists put their work in that church. The the greatest community building was done at that church. It's kind of crazy how everything was so centralized, centralized within that, and how it ordered kind of your life. I was listening to a guy who was talking about growing up in Mexico, and in, in, all of these small towns scattered across. He says like um, the way it was planned and built. Uh, it's full of these beautiful colonial churches and, and Italy is the same way. I don't know if you recognize that when you went throughout Europe and these small towns, mm-hmm. how you have maybe these cities built on Hills and these curving roads and you're walking down a main street, you can't see the church. And all of a sudden it comes out of nowhere yeah. and it takes your breath away. And, and the city plays off of this to create the beautiful moments mm-hmm. and how it's absolutely like centers your life. Cause this architecture can have a meaning to you as you had to go through the, the town square to get anywhere. And so like it had this moment of, this is also the center of the town is the center of my life. I'm going to make the sign of the cross and, and acknowledge God as I go to my next type of thing. Yeah. Um, so I organize how you see things and how society itself is structured to just put it briefly within this last hundred years, following kind of more of this cultural revolution, this emphasis on minimalism um, and brutalism, basically stripping everything away and very like iconoclastic movement that we see in our churches and our buildings um this past few decades, do you feel like uh, I think we do. I think we've had this sense that we've lost something. yeah they they used to have some quality, especially a church where you would walk in and you could tell it was sacred. There's no question that it was a church. Mm. Any person without a degree could realize and recognize what it was and recognize the beauty in it. You didn't need a thesis paper, a doctoral mm-hmm. statement to explain why it was beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. You walked in and it was sacred and you could tell what it was and you could tell it was beautiful. Do you feel like that? Yeah. I, oh, what are you going to say? Well, I just, um,
1: growing up in, I mean, just in Illinois in general, not necessarily, I mean, Chicago, I guess is a different when you look at the churches there, but like, um, we have some beautiful churches here in central Illinois, but when I went to Baltimore, when I lived out, um, in Emmitsburg, Maryland, we'd travel into Baltimore and father Joseph Baker would take us to the oldest or second oldest one in Baltimore or some of these beautiful churches and you'd walk in and, um, like, you knew it was, this was a German community, this was an Italian community, this was a Poland community. And this was they built this, these are these hand carved um, altars. and And just like, yeah, when you walked in, you were just absolutely blown away with the care and the craftsmanship that went into this. But I mean, just there was no question what was supposed to take place here, and why it was done, right? Not for their own sake, but for the glory of God. And because they took pride in what was happening here and who mm. resided.
0: Here. It doesn't feel like any other building. No. And now they're not always inspiring. No. They feel like every other building. Sometimes you go to some new churches and am I in an airport terminal mm. or conference center, a beige business center? Well, they're meant a lot of them are built to be multipurpose so that yep.
1: they can maximize profit. It's like, well, if it's not on Sunday, we can rent this space out for this or that. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Where maybe it, it is a nice space. Yeah. But can I tell it's any different? Like when you go there the facilities are nice mm-hmm. and i think it's appealing to a crowd that wants something that looks nice mm-hmm. where, where maybe they're expecting this kind of these kind of amenities when they yeah. go in type of a building so yeah. like oh this this church is built in 2000 whatever seven it has, it's new mm-hmm. modern the bathrooms are nice um they have a nursing room mm-hmm. uh, they have a multi-purpose room it's great for um the kids to run around and afterwards and it's just like any other building that you go to it's a nice conference center that you go to. You feel like comfortable, um, but are you really challenged? Does it feel different than anything else in your life? Mm. Is it making you think of anything bigger? I think it does a good thing in like building community, Yeah. but is it is it highlighting the elements of what makes it different and sacred? Is it moving that parish and that congregation past where it is right now? Mm. Or is it just kind of this average, huh? Like what's another social gathering? Yeah. And I think that's what architecture can do. And I think there's a good marriage of the two of what they can be. Mm using what we have now, these nice amenities and facilities and technologies, but bringing in beauty. And I think we've been missing that difference in that beauty. Cause I think a lot of, uh, especially newer churches,
1: they invest a lot in the,
0: um, the practicals, the
1: practicals and the experience and what, so what's going to foster the experience. Not so much like the artificial experience of like light, sound, visual displays, yeah. those types of things. Like well, there's a lot of money invested in that, uh, but not so much in kind of the thoughtfulness of how the structure itself is oriented towards worship of yeah. God or isn't going to move them towards something like you're looking to get to Yeah, um, And it's, I don't think we want, again, we're not looking here to bash every non-denominational church or a gathering space, right? Because again, where two or three are gathered, right? Yeah. God is present.
0: But- Absolutely. What, what I think what it reflects a lot of where your community is And it, it's hindering a lot of growth from what a community can do. And I think it can only benefit to do what we're proposing to, to provide
1: this type of space.
0: Pope Benedict talks about how the liturgy needs to organic or develop organically. Mm -hmm. It can't just go through a drastic change. It it should grow like a real plant grows. It has to happen naturally. Mm -hmm. And we should push our architecture forward and and our churches. We can't just go back and, and build churches. Just Gothic, just Baroque, just like Romanesque. Like you could take elements of that, but we need to like embrace the culture because the thing about those things during those time period is they drew in everyone. It wasn't just Catholics that were drawn in by the architecture that was inspiring. It was everyone. Yeah. When I was listening to this Catholic architect, and he said the last real Catholic architect that did this was Antoni Gaudi, um, La Sagrada Familia in Barcelona that, oh, okay. never, that isn't finished. Yeah, that was the early 1900s. The last time we had a Catholic architect who really inspired a new thing that was drawing everyone, just Catholics and non-Catholics alike, and still is. People go to Barcelona Atheist to go see this beautiful church. Yeah. But that's over 100 years ago that we had a new, inspiring, moving architecture that came from a Catholic.
1: Yeah.
0: That was moving them forward. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, there was two experiences that struck me. Um, it, it was mostly from a mass that we went to in Indianapolis and then a wedding that we went to at a like a non-denominational church and uh, i don't want to over generalize here i don't know how to like put this up but i, I like to research cities mm-hmm. like when i go on a trip i over research everything uh it's just something that like fascinates me i like to see how things uh where things are like the best restaurants the best places to go and churches i love researching the churches when i go to a place i want to go to a beautiful church that i've never seen before and learn something from them and be inspired or like feel the history and i want to take my family there but it's always in the most inconvenient part of town <laughs> They never have mass times mm. and it's always generally closed because if you pull up Google maps and you give me the pins of all the Catholic churches in the area, I can tell you what the Catholic church is going to look like just by where it's at mm. in the area of the map, yeah. where the beautiful church is going to be downtown, right in downtown, yeah. right? When that, that city was being established and you had those communities during that time period that cared enough to make that beautiful cathedral, or that beautiful Basilica, or that beautiful just church, um, uh, that was during that time period. It's always going to yeah. be in that downtown area. And nowadays, people moved out of the downtown, maybe Mm -hmm. businesses came in, entertainment came in, shopping, whatever. Um, But just people moved out. And now it's not safe to keep them open. so it's always locked. Mm -hmm. Um, They have maybe one mass time because there's no parishioners. And and you can't get into these, right? Yeah. Have you had that experience? before? Oh, yeah, for sure. It's like, I really want to go but also like our hotel isn't anywhere near it. I I, want to it would be a 30 minute drive. They only have a 10 o'clock mass. Mm -hmm. There's no parking. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's the experience. Now, if you start to go outside of that city center from basically that first outskirts to like the farthest new ritzy places, what are those churches going to look like? Uh, Whitewashed, big <laughs> barn buildings. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're going to get basically it, it, it's as America grew and started to move out. It was at a time within church architecture where it, it was, it did not move organically. Mm. It moved into a weird phase of what the culture was doing. And unfortunately, that's when a lot of our churches were built. Mm -hmm. Would you say that's what you've experienced? Mm -hmm. When America starts having this prosperity from the 1940s on after World War II, as they start to moving out and we have these now these slab suburbs that are being put up, you have to start to build these new churches. And they're building these churches at a time where the Catholic imagination wasn't that inspiring when it came to the building itself. And just like the theology itself, the spirituality, the intellectual, intellectual side of the faith it got beige down as baron would say mm-hmm. our buildings are all being built during that time and so they reflect that culture that was was not bought into what made us different right yeah. mm-hmm. it either tries to look too much like the culture or it just lost it stripped away all those elements it was mm-hmm. iconoclasm they took away everything that made it catholic and distinct and sacred mm. right
1: yeah
0: any thoughts right now after my uh ramble i think um the building itself, but when we talk
1: about the building too, um, I mean, just like, I mean, there's a reason that a lot of dioceses had to reorder or make sure that people had moved the tabernacle back to the center. Do you remember that was like in the mid two thousands or early 2010s mm-hmm. where like diocese were making sure that the buildings are confusing, the buildings were confusing. There wasn't, um, I'm not calling for high altars to be put back in every no. church or whatever. What it should make sense is, though. But it should make sense that like all of the people are facing and order towards what is at the center of this is obviously an altar. I don't care what the altar looks like, but there was, there had to be orders put throughout all sorts of dioceses in the United States to move the tabernacle from the side or another room or wherever to the center. Because again, that they had lost, like, what was the priority? What made us different us mm-hmm. as Catholics and what should lie at the center of our worship, right? Christ himself and the Eucharist and the sacrifice that takes place there. I mean, I, I love St. Pat's Mary That's where I grew up at, but at the old, uh, that is now just a, a community hall there this kind of like almost clam shape, like yeah, fan so. shape yeah. thing. It was tucked in the, corner to the right, kind of like behind some bushes, there was a tabernacle. And there's always this awkward like they'd have to go over there to get mm-hmm. it during to get Jesus during the Eucharist and come back, right? And so like they had to reorganize churches because it, it I mean there was a recognition from the the United States Catholic bishops that
0: yeah, we was were a just misprioritization a, of what mattered at we were at the cathedral in Seattle just trying to find Jesus. Like we saw <laughs> like a red lamp. Mm-hmm. so like we know he's here but, like where where's the <laughs> tabernacle and it, it was a beautiful space too yeah. it's just like it's confusing like it should make sense when it comes in mm-hmm. or, or when you come into a church and like you said before as i, as I get into this and i have more i want to get to it's this is not going to limit anyone's spirituality like mm-hmm. you can have a vibrant parish but i think a lot of times it reflects what the parish looks like um so beautiful it, space. it should make sense when you come in yeah like there should be elements that you don't even have to think about but that move you and when we went to Indianapolis, it wasn't even me. It was Stella saying this. I, we went to this church because it was the only one that had a, a time that we could get to. Mm-hmm. Um, built in the 1960s. It was just like, it was carpeted. It had your uh, your wood. But it had this huge, just like stained glass abstract window that we could not tell what it was. And it was like the main feature. And it was just very confusing. It didn't look that cool. And it didn't really inspire mm-hmm. much. It was just like out of place. There's these banners that hung from the ceiling and you look around at the parish and I was just like looking, I'm like, who is being drawn in by this?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When I look at a lot of these communities and I I've been to a lot of these churches, whether it's your ministry or just on tr- travel and stuff like that. You look around, you see people who grew up in that area who just have always gone there because that's where they live, mm-hmm. but you look around, you don't see too many young families. You don't see too many people that are probably awe inspired. And I know I'm judging a book by its cover, but I'm just thinking about my own generation. Millennials and Gen Z, how many of these kids are being moved as they're brought to this church in this space and being like, wow, it is different here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is different because you're going back in time to the 1960s <laughs> uh, where there wasn't much that was inspiring. Uh, and, and I was just like looking around at everyone and it was confusing and it wasn't moving. And that, that's the story of like thousands of parishes within our, our country. It's like mm-hmm. you're missing the mark. There. I bet there's a beautiful community there. I bet there's people that are in love with the Lord in love with the sacraments, but oftentimes like, I don't know if it's me as a 14 year old going to a church like that, it's just another reason for me to not go to church again after high school.
1: Yeah.
0: it's unfortunate. Yeah.
1: Cause you're right. There's, there are great people there that have grown up there that are attached to that space and it has been great for them, but yeah, they're missing an opportunity to, to bring in new people, new families to, to have a vibrancy that is lost because the building is getting in the way and it shouldn't be. That's all that we're saying
0: Yeah, that is it shouldn't be a barrier
1: and right. it's
0: and it's yeah. not, and it's of well, a- the frustrating part is it shouldn't but it is yeah that's where we're at with like if we're trying to win over the culture and evangelize truth beauty goodness mm-hmm. like i don't know where's the beauty in what we have
1: yeah <laughs> and mean, it's
0: i think of um it's it's in the people right now i guess yeah it's in the community itself hopefully it's in the eucharist yeah uh, but even if the eucharist is kind of looked over within the, the, the way that the mass is set itself, the space itself, mm-hmm. the tabernacle itself, like they're not even getting that element. Yeah, it's the space in combination with the community and the sacraments and, and the spirituality
1: of the parish itself. But yeah, my goodness, how, in our travels as well, have we come upon a parish where it's just like, the building itself is is such a, an unfair distraction, yeah. or just- Wowzers. <laughs> I, I, um, I, what is it? I think it's the cathedral in Milwaukee. If you've ever been there, you can Google picture of the crucifix. Um, it's not not that it's a terrible space but the crucifix is jesus the the cross has shattered so it's 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 an art installation it's the some people love it and maybe i just don't get it but the crucifix has the cross itself has shattered so you Mm. have the corpus and it's like in swirled in shards of the cross Mm.
0: and it's like
1: it's it's there's got to be
0: some element for like people expressing themselves in some way. And I think that's done, like I said, organically with different cultures mm-hmm. and your your local materials and all these different things and your styles. But like, there's some that it's just, I think in the United States that was forced. Yeah. <laughs> like I, would you say that's fair to say? Yeah. Um, but I think there are certain things not to get too much into the history of it, but like, and then what I mentioned before, some of the modernist movement where it's basically we can build boxes and people will buy them and shop in them. Um, We can do this. We have easy, cheap materials. We have new ways to use steel and concrete to make these profit first, most efficient, quickest. Um, like I said, I think you can see many of the ills of society in this architecture. The three questions, I think, as if you've made it this far, why does this matter? What should actually be there and how do we go forward? Mm. Um, how do we go forward? How do we recapture and take advantage of modern technology? Your steel, your concrete, the, the new sound technology that we have, acoustics, whatever. Um, how do we do that? That makes it just not a beige business. Yeah. I
1: don't
0: know if I have the answer. Um, Do you have any ideas? I I think we're not architects or artists, so it's kind of hard for us, but we we recognize that there's a lack. There's something that needs to be done. I think there's some new movements,
1: um, specifically in some of like the newer abbeys that have been built for religious orders. But also like we've got the, like you look at Epiphany, like we've got the ability to make things there's real marble, there's faux marble, mm-hmm. but there's ways to still like to efficiently. And I know some of the things like, how are we gonna put so much money into these churches, right? Shouldn't that be going to, and we've had this conversation on the board, to go into yeah. other needs, right? again it is a worthy space of spending money but there are ways to have done to do beauty and to be responsible in mm-hmm. the cost right we're not talking about shipping in a certain sort of material from italy right yeah. there are, maybe for an altar or something yeah. like that but there's ways to make the space beautiful and its appearance is such that like i think in some of the technology and the advancements of
0: the construction like there's a yeah. way to do it and do it smart it's unfortunate that, like only the Communities on those outskirts of town, those new ritzy ones are the ones that are able to put in the money to make those churches beautiful. Yeah. But um, we recognize that there is some kind of lack there. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some kind of disparities. But I mean, what are some qualities that you should be able to recognize in a church? That, number one, you should feel like you're entering a different world, Yeah. right? It is a sign of heaven. If you don't feel like you're leaving the world behind, the church isn't doing its job. Mm-hmm. Churches have always been long. They've been tall. These proportions develop a huge space that are supposed to symbolize this heavenly Jerusalem. Yeah. When you walk in this linear nave, this tall vertical space, you look up, you're drawn up.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There's often windows up there, right? It brings in the light. Yeah. Everything is remind us, reminding us of the heavenly reality that is awaiting us, mm-hmm. right? So that's why it's always been done that way. Why it's been in this big space because it, it inspires some kind of awe, right. right? Whenever you go into a big space, it's going to inspire awe. Mm-hmm. Like when we just went to St. Peter's, Stella literally just started crying as she came in because of the experience, the space, yeah. the grandeur of it. And I think,
1: and I think, in the same way that that can be done on on a smaller scale, right? You look at um, historic St. Pat's here in Bloomington, right? You've got this. Um, while the space isn't as grand, it's all ordered up and forward, yes. up and forward, right yes. towards the Eucharist, or up, and you've got this the the play in with the lights and the windows, and it's just like everything is
0: ordered towards that that altar of sacrifice. That's a right? great example because, like you said, it is a smaller space. Mm-hmm. And it's not like they have like the greatest materials. There's great craftsmanship in there, but it's not like they're like, you know what I mean? Like you're able to do it in a way. And and like, I don't know. It's not a wealthy parish, but it's got, I don't want to sound snobby, like in the way that it looks, but it does matter. Like as much as we want to say, like that is more of that Protestant enlightenment thing. Like it's all about the interior. Yeah, The interior is so important, but we are physical beings. We're trying to evangelize and bring people in and inspire ourselves and our family. And we know that, like we inherently know that. Like, I don't care what, a religion you're at or where church
1: you go to, you still want it to be a space that you can take pride in and that people are attracted to. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't care if it is an office space that you're renting. Right. You still like, when you walk in, like people are going to decorate in a way that you want people to want to be there. Right. So it's, I mean, it's, it's not something that's like, yeah, I don't think we're being arrogant or, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Right. Calling for something that's unreasonable. It's a, it's a desire of the heart and it's because
0: right. We are body and spirit. I think we're speaking with like what what is actually real. Yeah. (laughs) I think, yeah. Anyway, it's long, it's tall. Um, it has these columns. Most of them, these columns probably represent something. Maybe there's six on both sides. The 12 mm-hmm. apostles, it represents the foundation. Ah. The 12 apostles, you know, being the foundation of the church. Yeah, you do two or three episodes just on like the you know like I mean? symbolism. There's of, so much symbolism and yeah. meaning because, especially in the medieval church, they believe, Aquinas' statement, grace builds upon nature. And they believe that they're using these natural materials and grace building upon these materials and these symbols to mean something so much more. Mm-hmm. When we are in the, the Church of St. Mary Major in Rome, uh, Dr. Sri was talking about the columns. I forget how many there were. I think there might have been 42, but it was like the generations from oh, David to Mary. It yeah. was all about Mary. And like they thought we're going to make these this many columns to, mm-hmm. to represent the, the number of generations. Yeah. Um, but every little thing matters. There should be a tabernacle that you see. right? There should be an altar that is substantial that represents Christ. It's solid. It's not going anywhere. You understand that this is a place of worship and sacrifice mm-hmm. that is representing Christ. The light the sound the color matter uh the sound like when there's an echo like that's that does something right have you ever walked into a church where like you're you're, you start to hear your feet right away yeah what do you do you start to like you have to silence yourself because you recognize that what you're doing to the space matters and Mm -hmm. it's affecting the things around you you have to hush yourself quiet yourself right yeah yeah oh yeah a recognition that this is a hollow ground that i am like making some kind of influence on the space around me. And I should actually think about what I'm doing, what I'm saying, how I'm acting, being reverent, right? Mm-hmm. The, the sound, have you ever heard a good choir? Oh yeah. Like in, in, a, in a church, a cathedral I love uh, in, in Peoria, when you have a choir yeah, there, a there. Um, when you have organs, when you have trumpets, when it has the this, this space and the ability to actually like echo and move around they actually sing in harmony they're not just one person it's not just getting sucked up in popcorn ceiling or carpet Mm -hmm. right there's an echo to it and it can go for 15 more seconds once it's done yeah right there's a beauty to that again it's it's symbolizing these heavenly angelic choirs Uh, this is what the church did so well for so many centuries and inspired so many people and i think we just took it all away so fast yeah um and i'm not like this huge like rad trad type of person but I I I want the liturgy to be beautiful, mm-hmm. inspire my kids, inspire my students. You know what I mean? Yeah. The materials. Uh, I was listening to, again to this Catholic architect, and he talked about how using natural materials uh, like marble, stone, wood, yeah. flowers, like actually having real things in there, it matters. Uh, and he said, the natural things that God gave us, it shows us their potential. That these physical things in the mat in the world that we see as sacramental beings, this creation is good. Uh, it is there to show us that show us God and to reveal God. So everything in nature always shows us and reveals us to God and to have those natural elements within the church itself, help us to understand that right ordering, how everything is ordered to God. And that's why carpet is just so bad. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, um, I don't know. I've had a lot of freedom. Any of this makes sense. Did any of us, did you think of anything? Is there anything that you would want to wrap up and and just say? I think we've done a good job here of qualifying,
1: right? That it's not only about the space. There's so much more that needs to take place there, mm-hmm. like a reverence for the Eucharist, a community that cares, that evangelizes. That, that. But what we want to highlight, and what I think we want people to consider, uh, especially when they walk into a space, um, or especially when that maybe like a parish that they're a part of, what can they do? Like there are, um, every parish has like a group that helps beautify. Mm -hmm. right? Or that helps work towards or when they start, maybe they're going to start to build a new church. There's ways that you can you can try to um, influence and to to say to say your piece on uh, and make efforts to to beautify and to organize and to to construct in a Mm -hmm. way that is going to help every person who walks in there, whether it's they're there every Sunday or they're visiting on vacation to more properly order theirs themselves towards worship or dispose mm-hmm. themselves towards worship because of the beauty or the way in which it kind of focuses the individual to what is about to take place and to, what they're about to
0: participate in, right? Yeah. Um, I don't have all the answers, and I, I think yeah. we have never even talked about this really before. We're, we're literally just working this out on the microphone right. now. So, some of the things we could have said could have been wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'm just trying to like process my own experience with, yeah, with, with my faith life, but also like with what I enjoy, what, yeah. but what I actually desire and what I think other people desire, but also this process of evangelization. I've been to too many churches that are when you walk in are ugly and do not inspire you. Yeah. And you look around on the congregation, you're saying what is going to inspire the next generation because this isn't it. Yeah, um, And it's just a part. It, it's not the whole thing. But it's a part of that picture. Yeah, I think it's it's something that unfortunately is holding us back. Our churches are ugly.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and it's not inspiring anyone. And it's almost a hurdle that people have to fight past. Yeah. Like I hate having to make all those qualifications. Well, the music might stink, but the Eucharist is still Jesus. Like, I, I felt like we've had to fight so many times with the kids of like, it stinks that the de facto is that the church is probably ugly. The music probably isn't that great. And the the priest maybe not be the greatest preacher. Mm. Shouldn't we want all those things to be great? Yeah. It's not about that, but doesn't it just help elevate so much more?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Just a part of the package that, that ultimately delivers, right. A phenomenal and instrumental experience in someone's life. So, that's all we're saying. Hey, a lot of great people in that Indianapolis church. Any hey, shout-outs? Um, Want to shout-out a couple of new Focus missionaries, Abby Lewis and... Will Dionysus. Yes, a couple of shout-outs. Uh Abby is going to Toledo Go Rockets. Nice. Uh, and... Will's a badger? Yeah, right? Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yeah, so... The rest of them. um If you have the means or you're wanting to support the no. either focus missionary no. and you need to get a hold of them. You can always email us at boyslunchballatgmail.com. Yeah, so they're uh, doing great work. Fellowship of Catholic university students. There's Hopefully like- they have beautiful Newman center. To take to. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I hear Tol- Toledo is great this time of year. At least it's not Cleveland, but, um, I do want to, uh, yeah, just offer a couple of shout outs to them. Nice. And, uh, yeah, if you want to support them, get in contact with us and we will put you in contact with them.
0: Nice. Cool. Freude Freude